Okay. Um, so, some of you may or may not be aware of the fact that, in many ways, this is kind of my first time through uh, Enterprise Season 1 and 2, because I only watched it the one time. But I think I've mentioned this before. I'm not sure exactly, but some episodes I have no memory of at all. And this one would qualify. I didn't remember a single tidbit. I didn't remember how it was going or what was happening. This was effectively the first time I've ever seen this episode. I'm not even 100% sure I have watched this episode before. No memory, right? So, um... Uh... I, I was kind of, like, excited a little bit. It's like, oh my god. It's effectively a new episode of Star Trek. That's kind of cool. And instead, it's... This episode. Now, nothing I want to talk about. This is something that came up several times over on the TOS stuff, and it's something that's come up several times before. The way I mentally grade things is we've got lamentations. That's the bottom, obviously. Then we got one-offs, two-offs, and three-offs. And this is something that comes up several times over on the TOS stuff, because there's several episodes that are bad, but you need something extra. And then there's episodes that are awful, but you need something worse. And then there's episodes that are terrible, but they need that last little oomph to qualify as lamentation. Three, two, one, lamentation, right? This one's probably only a two-off, maybe a three-off, because while this episode is bad, it still has some cool concepts going forward and doesn't really have that extra oomph, unless you count one thing, which could arguably be the extra oomph. So what I'm trying to say is if this is a lamentation for you, I understand completely. But for me, this is merely terrible. <clears throat> so, first thing that happens is we see a ship show up and engulf them while they're at warp. Alright, hang on. I've already got 50 issues with this. <laughs> first of all, how? Like, like, I want you to picture that. Remember, when you're at warp, you, there's a bubble surrounding your ship which is maintaining your presence outside of normal warp space. So... Huh? Second of all, I love how they just let it happen. What's even funnier is they, and this is, I swear I'm not making this up, they actually don't go to tactical alert until after they've already been engulfed. And that's when they find out the weapons are offline and the engines have just been taken offline. Again, huh? But okay, 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 let's, let's move on, let's move on. This is a good time to go ahead and mention that uh, this is one of those episodes where like 10 minutes pass and I only have one note. And that note is the word surreal. And I'm like, wow, this is just, it's like a bad dream sequence, isn't it? There's, they go out and there's wisps and they're trying to figure out what's going on and hostile invaders. And then Tucker is like, oh my God, I was there experiencing this. And then he's taken to sickbay and treated like he's a crazy person. This is then immediately followed by one of the just, like, there's there's so many little problems with this episode. Phlox, uh, Reed, and Archer are standing right there in the window. Tucker's in there saying, like, hey, no, I think I'm okay. Phlox hits a button muting the comm and then starts to talk about Tucker right there in front of them, visibly and obviously, to which Tucker says, there's something wrong with the comms? You talking about me? What? First of all, Phlox should have more decorum than that. In fact, I believe Phlox does have more decorum than that. Then again, he is also an idiot later in this episode, so whatever. Second of all, you couldn't have just been like, 
hang on, and then wander away to talk for a second, just to have some degree of subterfuge, rather than over basically being like, hey guys, I'm about to talk about you. R right? Like, <laughs> okay, so whatever. This then leads to a bit where Archer is uh, in his quarters, staring dramatically out the window. And T'Pol shows up to say, Ensign Sato is trying to communicate with the alien crew. Now, I know I'm, I'm kind of picking at this episode, so please forgive me. But I want to make this clear. This is stupid. This... <laughs> This is actually... Remember how we talked about how the dialogue was not good in a previous episode? I forget the name of it, but you, know, you remember that came up? But the episode itself was well-structured and generally well-written, right? This is not that. This is actively bad dialogue, and the structure of the episode is awful. So I want you to really think about this for a second. A military officer is, on her own, undertaking the kind of task necessary to, to solve a problem, Okay. Does this need to be reported? Because if you have a, a military structure... I know, I know. Starfleet's not military. If you have a command structure, because it is a command structure, even an Arby's has a command structure, um, if you have a command structure by which you have the leeway to make those kind of choices on your own, the, the information is kind of an unnecessary thing. They're, they're doing that. And if you don't, then she was already probably ordered to do that by Archer, who probably is aware of the fact that he ordered her to do it. Then again, who knows? I mean, with Archer, you're never really sure about that, right? This then leads to this bit where T'Pol has to inform... T'Pol! T'Pol has to inform Archer of the, the morale of the crew. And the only reason that line exists is so that Archer can have his line, I've got to get them out of here. Dramatic statement. At least... In the interests of total fairness. So so the whole the episode up until now, like what, the 12-minute line mark, something like that, is stupid. Like, it's actually bad dialogue, bad written, Hollywood dreck. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And it gets to this part where uh, Tucker is mind-controlled. And I'm just like, oh, God, okay. They're, they're going to do it. They're going to do the thing that Star Trek has been doing since since forever, which pisses me off. And it's that thing where someone is my, someone is acting off and nobody notices. No. Credit where credit is due. Uh, Rostov? Yeah, Rostov notices basically immediately that something's off with Tucker and reports it in. Good job. Good job. We've, we've, we're dipping out of lamentation status. And they go and they have this conversation with him. It turns out it's, it's been a long time since we encountered corporeal beings. It's very strange, right? So, okay, none of this makes sense. Let's just start with that. These non-corporeal beings have a spaceship because they'll die if they're exposed to space. What? L let's also add on to this the fact that they have a spaceship as non-corporeal beings, which they control, by the way. What? There's also the fact, and this, I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. There is a line later on where to, where Arch is like, what would happen if they would, uh, you know, possess a corpse? All the same thing as if they were exposed to space. They would die. Okay. Um, obviously, that's a bit of a misunderstanding or a mislabel because these things freely go to and from the ship, from the other ship, while the other ship's over there, and they've released this ship. So they have no problem 
you know, just back and forth, right? Across, you know, the gulf of space. Also, the corpse line is doubly strange because they just released some, you know, anesthesine or whatever into the air to knock people out, which isn't quite what you'd call a corpse. Unless it was actually supposed to kill them, in which case they should probably shouldn't be resuscitated by then restoring the oxygen levels because that's not how that works. So none of that makes sense. <laughs> then we then we look at the line. Oh, they haven't encountered corporeal beings in a long time. Why? <laughs> this this neck of the galaxy is absolutely littered with life. We there's a reason we have we have actually been able to encounter different aliens every week. They're, they haven't encountered anybody else? Oh yeah, while we're on the subject, since the aliens are evil, because the aliens are evil, and I sure hope they're all evil, because they do kill them all at the end of the episode, you caught that, right? It's 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 almost as an anecdote, or not an anecdote, it's, a, it's like a side note, right? Like, oh, and by the way, we blow up the enemy ship and they all die. What? But anyways, since they're evil, why do they release the ship? Like, if if, you, if your big evil plan is to replace the crew of the Enterprise, why release it? Also, apparently they're dying because their ship is breaking down and they don't know how to fix it. Okay, you know what? I'm with that. After all, hard to fix things. So their plan is to take Enterprise and then use them to find other people to take instead of trying to use those people to fix their ship. Also, I'm pretty sure I've seen this exact same plot over in TOS before. More than once. And I, I'm sorry. I'm, I can't... It's so hard to explain. At least for me. Because I guess I'm just an idiot. It's so hard to explain how stupid all of this is. I'm trying to dissect and, and lay out for you just how nonsensical all of this is. Because it looks like someone sat down and had an idea and then had no idea how to express that. And then someone else walked in and said, hey, there needs to be a threat of the week. And so they crudely grafted that onto the rest of the episode in a way that doesn't make sense. And then someone else was like, well, wait, wait, wait. We need someone to be aware of the fact that it's a ploy from the beginning. And naturally that has to be the captain because the captain must always be right. Capital R. And so Archer is incredibly suspicious of these people who are basically benevolent the entire time for no reason, I feel like pointing out. <laughs> I know, I know. You're going to say the reason that they're benevolent is they wanted to, to trick the people into willingly committing the crossing, I guess. But the problem is that also makes no sense because as demonstrated, they have no problem simply wandering up and taking people all willy-nilly. In fact, they have so little problem doing it, it makes me wonder why they don't just swarm the ship as one big attack wave and take all 82 people, well, minus the people who can fight back, which is like three. Uh, no, two. It's two people. It's the two aliens. So why don't they just swarm the ship and take all the humans like that? In fact, that would make for an interesting episode, wouldn't it? Flocks and T'Pol trying to fight back against an entire ship of possessed you know, humans. This could even have been a thing that you could have used as a, maybe we need to have more non-humans on the ship and become part of an outreach thing. Maybe we could get an Andorian on board, maybe another Vulcan, get a Tellarite involved, something, you know? First steps of the Federation? No, 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 no. Can't have any of that. So, yeah, Archer is very antagonistic. I'm reminded of the episode The Seventh. You remember that? It's the episode in which Archer is right for no reason. 
no evidence, no conclusive anything. Just he's decided. And yeah, I know, I know. Okay, you you could argue that the ship taking them in is something that would can be considered evidence of the fact that there's ill doing. But then the fact that they immediately let them go and don't do anything else antagonistic whatsoever is just kind of eyebrow raising, as I've already pointed out. Then. You you know actually I'm sorry before I go forward it would be interesting to examine the bias Archer has a line maybe I'm not trustworthy of them just because they're so different from me it's an interesting line and frankly that's that's something that would be kind of cool to examine a little bit after all one of Archer's biggest fl- character flaws I'd say his second biggest character flaw is the fact that de- he does have bias that he is still overcoming right you know, his anti-Vulcan bias especially. So, okay, there's there's a potential there. It's immediately dropped. Don't worry, they're bad guys. The aliens are all evil and they all die at the end of the episode. By the way, they mentioned the crossing, but the wisps are shown to actually be capable of maneuvering and moving and, and chasing. Like, one of them literally chases Travis, right? I'm trying to point this out because it's not like it's just a binary you're on or you're off kind of a thing. And yet their big plan is to knock out all the people so that the aliens have to pow out of them. Okay, what brings our crew back? How does our crew steer back to their own bodies? Exactly. You know, this then leads to not read, possessed read, totally creeping on a woman. And... This is pretty much officially the moment I was just like, okay, I'm done with this episode. Because this this is when Not Reed insists on really uncomfortably sexually creeping onto Paul. And that's bad enough. Then add on to that two other factoids. First of all, to Paul either A doesn't figure out this isn't Reed immediately, taking back the credit I gave earlier, or B is playing along for some reason I can't even imagine. I remind you that she is a Vulcan who is effectively superhuman and he is not armed. She's going to win that encounter. And yet the whole scene is framed and portrayed as if she is someone who is injured and scared. And he's just, you know, he's the dominating kind of thing. Except it really should be the exact opposite of that. I mean, for God's sakes, if nothing else, she could neck pinch him, right? I know, that'll come up later. Whatever. It, it, so, yeah, either this takes forever for her to figure out this is Reed, or she's playing along for reasons I can't even fathom. And I'm like, why? Then, then, Rostov gets taken, and Tucker figures it out instantly. Now, in case you think I'm banging on about this point too much, allow me to share that later on in the episode, one of the climax points of the episode is all centered around the idea that Tucker has already been taken, despite being in the shielded area, whatever, never explained or discussed, and then Travis can't figure out that Tucker's been taken until Tucker literally slugs him. So the episode just keeps bouncing back and forth on that point. Anyways. So, uh... This then leads to Hoshi mentioning to Archer that we're getting reports from all over the ship that everyone that people are being taken. I'm, I'm sorry, why has that not been forwarded to Archer? Now, again, I know this feels like a nitpick, but I want you to really picture this. Okay, so here's a ship. Let's assume it's not military. But there's a ship with a command structure. And reports are pouring into the bridge that people throughout the ship are being mind-controlled. Possessed, but whatever. And 
the bridge looks at that information and sits on it and does nothing with it. Until the captain physically makes his way to the bridge. Coincidentally, I might add. He's not going to the bridge for this reason. He's, he's there on other business. And then, oh, by the way, captain, we're getting reports about all this stuff. And, and maybe now you understand why this is such an issue. Because, you know, you have comm units. And the ability to say, Captain, the kind of thing you probably should have informed him about immediately. And it's just, it's little holes like that that really made me question this script. This then led to this bit where they get the engines working, and Hoshi says, why aren't we running? And Archer has to be like, well, our other people are there, and we're getting them back, cut to cut to black, cut to commercial. And I'm like, what is that statement? Hoshi is not that stupid, and Archer doesn't need to say that. And at this point, I started thinking, God, this is really bad dialogue. Now, I'm, I'm kind of building this moment up, because this is the exact moment I paused the episode and went and looked up the writer's. Now, I've actually got that information uh, right here in front of me, but uh, it's it's Berman and Braga. I mean, there were other people involved. Andre Bromanis, who I have no idea who that is, was actually involved in uh, Story by probably the person that actually bought the spec script off. But this was written by Berman and Braga, and it shows. And I wanted to point that out because you might think I have an anti-Berman Braga bias, and you would be right. I am pretty anti-Berman, and while I actually do have a decent amount of respect for Braga, and my opinion of him has risen over the years, not gone down, the fact of the matter is, when he is being forced to cr crank out these kind of scripts, you get problems. This is something I've already pointed out. And frankly, the man needed to take a bit of a break and to get away from having that extra credit there. This is also a good time to mention that I can see this as being a Braga script. You know why? Because, and we, I feel like we brought this up recently, this is a bit of a concept script. Aliens, possession, you know, swapping out the bodies, all that. It's concept. It's, it's, it's an interesting idea. And I can see the bones of some cool story ideas here. I really can. This could have been just an examination of Archer as a character and his biases. There could have been no threat of the week. These people could have been legitimately benevolent. And they could have explained... You know, and, and, and developed and really gone into what it's like being a being of perception. They mentioned that. And every time Tucker shows up, he mentions how he feels like he's physically interacting with things that have already happened in his life. Like, there's ideas there. There's, there's the beginnings of ideas there. Because those prompt questions, right? Why is it when you are a being of just perception, you are locked within your past? Well, maybe it's because lacking the ability to create new sensation, all you can do is repeat the old. And thus, maybe these aliens, to some extent or another, are actually stuck, looping back through their old lives over and over, their corporeal lives, hence the idea of why it is they would be desperate to get new sensations and new experiences. And you can see the ideas there, right? You can see those in the episode. They're just not explored or discussed because we needed to have a threat of the week, we needed Archer to be right, all the the stamps, all of the, all of the default things, the templates of Voyager, excuse me, Enterprise, needed to be present here. Now, I'm not... Just, whatever. So Travis flees one of the Wisps, which doesn't make any kind of sense on any level. The fact that Travis can outrun a Wisp while going up a ladder is, is, is nonsense in its own right. But then there's the fact that Travis is shutting doors behind him, which somehow works. Now, what's funny is the only reason that ends up working is because he enters the nacelle, which happens to have this kind of shielding, which prevents the non-corporeal beings from going through it. 
Sure. By the way, quick side note, there's this bit earlier before Reed was taken where he actually pulls out a phaser to shoot at the thing. I actually applaud that. Reed was completely on the ball and, and, and actually pretty smart with what he did. Immediately run for the energy weapon, right? To shoot at the thing, because there's a bit of logic there. And if nothing else, at least he's trying, so credit where credit is due. Also, Reed was unable to escape while running on foot, but I don't want to get into that. Anyways, so then there's this bit where, it, 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 like three or four scenes in a row, they keep calling for security. How many security personnel do they have on this ship? I mean, we don't have the Makos yet. That's 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 a bit off now. So, where, <laughs> where are these guys coming from? Is it just the same two dudes? Security to deck five. Security to deck there. And they're just like, oh, God, make up your mind, Captain. Uh, at least we're getting our cardio today. As, as, you know, as they're, as they're running back and forth on the ship. Hang on. Captain needs security on the bridge. I would have actually been willing to give this episode credit if, if like, progressively each time they're called, they're just a little bit more winded until finally they're called the bridge and like, here again. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, they remember the catwalks from the Storm episode, which, cool, credit. And, um, Archer... God, and proves just how terrible of a captain he is. He actually does this twice in this episode. Uh, at least twice. Once is when uh, T'Pol says, hey, so I'm a Vulcan and I have mental discipline, which is something that we kind of do. So I would like to go out. And he says, it's too dangerous. Archer, you're an idiot. You are on the back foot and you need to be thinking tactically. And frankly, you need to be willing to order a crew member to die in order to save the rest of the ship. Troy figured that out. You'd think Archer would be able to figure that out. But I'm getting I'm getting too negative. But my point is, he, he's not a good captain. That's okay, though. He shouldn't be a good captain. It's a shame the episodes keep trying to portray him as a good captain when he's... This then leads to an interesting scene. And frankly, I think this is the best scene in the episode. And this even this scene is pretty flawed. So, Possessed Hoshi calls Phlox, and in a very calm, normal tone of voice says, Hoshi, third person, Hoshi is injured. Her leg is fractured. She is in a great deal of pain. So that's wonderfully creepy, first of all. The idea that the, the entity is so divorced from it that it would not be able to, you know, that it wouldn't basically be uh, reacting to the pain, but it is aware of it, of course. Now, that doesn't quite line up with the way that it's been portrayed, so it's obviously a trap. Nevertheless, Phlox shows up with a gun in hand. Get away from the door. She's on the floor. Okay. Okay. All of this is pretty cool. His his caution, the tension of the moment, the the surreal nature of how she's doing it, it's, it's good stuff. The, the scene loses me a little bit. Because what happens is he pulls out his scanner and and as he's looking at the scanner, realizes that she is in fact just fine. Now, you are facing an alien force, which is an invasive alien force, which is here to, you know, take over your crew, okay? Um, this force has just said, hey, I need help. So you, you are hesitant and worried enough to literally hold a gun on this person as you're on approach. You have just discovered that this person is lying to you. Now, do you A immediately shoot remember you have a stun setting or b announce out loud wait a minute you're lying 
Naturally, he does the latter, because that makes the least possible amount of sense, which then leads to a scuffle. Thankfully, he does have the off-button hypospray, another example of the fact that this is Voyager. I remind you, he, jags, he jabs her with the hypospray in the leg, the lower leg, and it knocks her out immediately. <laughs> That's why we call it the off-button hypospray, by the way. Usually, at least people get them in the neck, right? That, that makes a bit more sense. <sighs> Anyways... So, okay, that's cool. This is when we find out that the aliens are dying. Uh-huh. And are going to take over the ship and do the stupid plot, which I've already explained why that's stupid. And this is then when Travis fails to recognize that Tucker's off. And this is also when we find out that Archer is one of the worst kinds of tech support. Because they're on a timer. They are literally in a hurry. This is a big tense situation. So naturally, rather than saying, look for this thing, do this thing to this thing, then do this thing to this thing, he says, I'm going to have to talk you through this procedure. Now, this procedure is going to do this. Now, I'm going to need you to look for something that the, the, the such and such. I'm going to give you the name of the thing, even though the last three sentences I've said to you have been completely needless, irrelevant information. Now that I've gotten through that, those steps, I'm going to go ahead and tell you to look for this object. Finally, the first step of thing. Now, don't mistake me. In real life, IT support like this, especially over the phone, you kind of want to walk the person through this. And I'm sure that's what the writers were thinking when they scripted this out, was you, want, you walk the person through this so they have some understanding of what they're doing. However, speaking as someone who has been a tech support on the phone in an emergency, a.k.a. when time is critical, you don't do that. You say, look for the two circular things on the side. Now push both at the same time. That'll release the thing, pull it out, pull the lower right thing to the, to the 3 o'clock position, and the upper left thing to the 3 o'clock position, go. And if he, they had done that, and he had done that, they would have finished, uh, I'd say, probably about 20 seconds earlier. Why is 20 seconds so relevant? Because about 20 seconds later, Tucker, possessed by some random alien, shows up, and, and then we have the big final struggle. <laughs> so good job. Then they have the big struggle, and thankfully this thing which disperses gas through the entire ship also shoots out gas immediately from its own thing, which actually sounds like a bit of a safety hazard, but let's not get into that right now. And they manage to knock out the crew, and all the crew go back, and then the ship's like, we're going to take you again, and then they blow it up and kill all the, the aliens. Because they were bad guys, it's okay. And then the episode ends. Uh, what? <laughs> no denouement? No follow-through? No examination, just, oh, what happened? I was just having ribs. Deep breaths. End of episode. What? Now, over on the TOS stuff, oh, I don't actually have the document up. Hang on. So I have a document I've been keeping track of, and it's best, uh, best acceptables, bads, worsts, right? I've been dividing it up into four categories. Uh, so that when we get to the, the post-series videos, I'll have something to go off of. Basically, taking notes as I go. I've been doing the same thing with Enterprise. It's a much smaller list. Because there's only three bests, four okays, no bads, and two worsts. But I'm going to add this episode to the bads list. Because, because 45 minutes of my life was just wasted. And the moment I said that, I realized that you could say the same thing about this very video you're watching right now. So I do apologize for wasting your time. I hope I've at least done something to add to the substance of the universe as I've been discussing this. Like I said, I can actually legitimately see some concepts here. 
I've already shared several of them with you. And this leaves me with my personal favorite thing to do in these ruminations. I have a question for you. What would you do with this episode? You're handed the spec sheet, and you're like, all right, figure this out. And you have to turn this into a good episode. Which direction do you take it? Do you examine the aliens? Do you examine Archer? Do you keep them a threat? Do you make it a pure character piece, like I was suggesting earlier? What do you do with it? Either way, I hope you guys have enjoyed, such as it is. I'll see you next time.